You are here. So in the holiday, I read a book. It's Francis Chan's letter to the church. He used the exact metaphor to explain what we have done wrong in many so-called modern churches. Because God has told us precisely what He wanted for the church, but people often create something that they think is better, replacing God's order. And I like in the video. Sometimes we 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 place that order. We take that order in a manner like that waiter. Kind of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. A lot of time, we do the work of God. When we were so busy with our phone calls and everything, with social media, people might be influenced by many other things, and decide on what they want, what people need, rather than what God has commanded. And I found that it's not just true in the matter of church. People tend to create something; they think that it's better, rather than something that God has designed. Not just for the church, but also for families, for career, for relationship. But today, let's start to have a look about what God wants for the church. So, in that book of Francis Chan, he asks people two questions. Number one is what people expect for a good church. And here comes a list of things. Number one, great service, a certain style of singing like the the one that Ben just did, strong youth programs, and fun Sunday school, convenient parkings, well set up buildings, and of course, a fantastic sermon. Here's a list of things that people's expectation on what a good church is, and then he asks, "All right, just forget about everything." By just looking at the Bible, what's God's order? What is His precise commandment on the church? And here comes another list. Number one, love one another as I love you. Visit the orphans and widows in their afflictions. Make disciples of all nations, and bear each other's burden. And he asked to the church leaders, to the church members, saying that, "Hey, what would upset people more if the church didn't provide the things from the list of people's expectation, or from the list of God's commandment? What would upset people more?" You know what? The list of things that people expect for a good church—the good music, good sermon—they are not a bad thing. They are actually awesome, important, and necessary in some way for a good service. But it's like in that metaphor. You know, the salad that the waiter provided—the salad is also good, and it can serve as a very awesome side dish to the steak. But a good salad. With the beautiful decoration itself, just without the steak, it's not what has been ordered. The list of things that people expect for a good church—they are not bad—and in many cases, 
they might be necessary for certain purposes. But the question is, are they serving the purpose of what God commanded to the church? Or are we sacrificing God's commandment and God's order for our own preference? For example, are we more concerned about better music, better setup, better buildings? But they spent very little efforts on bearing each other's burden and supporting one another. It's like if church does not provide cookie to go with the coffee during the morning tea after service, it is intolerable. But then it is okay if church does not do communion at all. Is that what our set of mind is? Which one is our priority? Are we more concerned about our preference, our tradition, or are we after God's own heart and focusing on God's commandment? Remember the story in Mark chapter 7. And Jesus was eating with his disciples, but the Pharisees called him out, saying that the disciples didn't wash their hands before eating. And Jesus responded by calling the Pharisees hypocrites because they leave the commandment of God and hold on to the human tradition. You know, washing hands is not bad. In fact, it's a very, very good practice and necessary to keep a hygiene practice. And I really do not want people to have a conclusion after today's sermon saying that, hey, Pastor Joshua said that we do not need to wash our hands before eating. Or that Pastor Joshua said that, you know, music and sermon are not important. No, that's not what God said. That's not what Jesus said in regard to washing hands. And that is not what I said in regards to music, sermon, buildings set up for the church. And my correction is this. Are we after God's own heart for the church? Observing His commandment carefully, passionately, or are we following our own hearts? Following on what we or people prefer and replacing God's commandment with our own preference. And the same correction applies to other things that God designed in our lives. It's not just the church I'm talking about here. Are we following God's commandment in His design for families, for relationship, for our career, and for the church? Are we a person after God's own heart in our families? in our relationship, in our careers, and in our church. You know what? Human beings tend to create something that we prefer rather than observe what God designed precisely. We can see that throughout the history. Let's have a look. For example, in Jesus' time. Can you remember what happened in Jesus' time? Number one, they turned the house of prayer into what? as the Bible says, as the den of robbers. In the book of John, Jesus says that they turn the house of prayer into a marketplace. 
in Paul's time. Paul wrote two books to talk about the Holy Communion, because at that time, they turned the Holy Communion that Jesus designed into an unworthy manner eating, because as the Bible says. As one goes hungry, another gets drunk, and there was divisions and factions among them. Paul said that they were eating and drinking their own sin, turning the holy communion into an unworthy manner of eating. Now look at in our time. Many things that God has designed, are we observing them precisely? As God has commanded, for example, number one, marriage. You know, this is what the Bible said about marriage: that marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterers and their sexual immorals. What have people turned marriage into? I'm talking especially to the young people. Something not important, and this is not just true among the non-Christians. They are happening in the same way in our church. I mean, like the big church. And talking about Christians in the church, what's God's commandment for Christian household? This is what the Bible says. That in the Christian household, the husband should love the wife, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, and the wife should love the husband, respect and honor as a church to Christ. But it's heartbreaking for so many that the house become a house of argument. A house of abuse, and they're hiding it. In our time, career—that's what the Bible said about career. That whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. But in our time, examine ourselves: Are we? Taking it just as a way to make a living, just as a way to make money. So my correction to you today, church, is that in all of these things, are you a person after God's own heart? In regards to church, are we looking for a church or building a church out? Of our own preference, in our relationship, families, friends, are we so often seeking our own pleasure, seeking what we want from the other people, and perhaps resulting in hurting ourselves or hurting others? And in our career, in our workplace, are we consider it as a ministry from God? That your working place is your ministry factory, or are we seeking our own success, which sometimes was at expenses of others?
So church, are you a person after God's own heart? God is seeking people after His own heart. However, few people nowadays are after God's own heart. Many are blindly following their own heart, pursuing their own success and their own pleasure. And even for many Christians, they might seem to be doing what appears to be right. But it is questionable if they are after God's own heart, seeking God's own will and God's pleasure, or are they seeking their own? Because it's one thing to follow the door, the law and order, but it's quite another to do what he desires and seek his will. It is one thing to follow the law and order, but quite another to do what he desires and seek his will. The best illustration for this is the story in the first book of Samuel, chapter 13. So at that time, the Philistines, they gathered together to war against Israel. King Saul, he waited for seven days for Samuel to come so that they can make the burnt offering and the offering of well-being. It's a tradition of the Israelites to make an offering and ask God's favor before they go into war. And only Samuel, the high priest, can make the offering. They waited for seven days. But the Bible says the people began to slip away from Saul. And by seeing that people are slipping away, King Saul waited no more. He asked them to bring forward the offerings. And he made the offering, the burnt offering, an offering of well-being. He made the offering himself. And make no mistake here, he was following what appeared to be right according to the tradition of the Israelites. That they seek God's favor before they go into war. It's a tradition that the people do. He did everything he could for his victory of the war. The Bible recorded Saul saying this, I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. He did that to keep the people around so they're not sleeping away. He did that so that he could win the war. But the only thing that he didn't do was to follow what God had ordered and commanded the people of Israel to do on how to make a sacrifice. Only the high priest Samuel could make the offering. So the only thing that Saul didn't do was to seek what God desired. To seek what God has commanded and what he took pleasure in, what his will would be. Saul did what was necessary to please people, but not what was necessary to please God. Then Samuel came and said to him, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, which he commanded you. And the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. 
the same statement was reaffirmed later again in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 13. It says, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all I will, who will do all my will. It's a man after God's own heart. Not a man following himself's heart to please people, to pursue his own success, but a man after God's own heart. And the Bible says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The knowledge of God means what He desires, what He takes pleasures in, what His will be. God is looking into the heart of a person, not what that person appeared to be. So when God mentioned Samuel about David, a person after God's own heart, he said, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. That people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. King Saul thought that he did what appeared to be right according to the tradition. But God is looking at what is inside a person, not what it appeared to be. It is one thing, church. It is one thing to do things, to make yourself seems like you are obeying God. But it's quite another to do wholeheartedly what he desires and seek what is going to please him. And until today, God is still seeking people after his own heart. But very few people nowadays are after God's own heart. Many are blindly following their own heart, pursuing their own pleasure and success. This is true among the non-Christians, but also among the church. Are you a person after God's own heart? And you might be asking, especially young people, that why should I be after God's heart? Not my own. Because it's everywhere stating, follow your heart. It's everywhere. Follow your heart. Why should I be after God's own heart? Following our own heart blindly usually leads into our own fail failure. And that's why we cannot experience God's love and His plan for me. The number one reason I think why we should be after God's heart is because only in Him we find ourselves because we can see our lives from the Creator's view. So in our youth group, we made a joke about someone traveling to a city he had never been before. He asked how to get to somewhere from his place. It's very unlikely people will tell him, follow your heart. It's like you are driving, you get a runabout and you ask, hey, which exit to take? 
and the one next to you is like, hey, follow your heart. You know, we wouldn't do that to navigate ourselves from a place to another, but we were often advised to navigate our lives, our future. Follow your heart. The future is a place that we never been, but so often we were told to follow our heart, to make decision, to get to the future. And and the funny thing is this: is many people probably don't even know what does it mean by saying follow your heart. The so-called following your heart and do it blindly, usually. Leads into our own failure, and no wonder we cannot experience God's love and His plan for our lives. If you read the four spiritual laws before, you would know that law number one is this: that God loves you and has a plan for you. Jesus said that I came so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. I love how Psalm chapter. One hundred and thirty-nine puts it: How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. And in Genesis chapter one twenty-seven, it says, "God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them." Male and female, he created them. Following our own hearts blindly usually lead into our own failure, and because of that, we cannot experience God's love and His plan. You know those vast, precious thoughts that God has for us. We cannot experience the abundant life that He created us for, because we're following our own ways. But in Him, we can find ourselves because we get to see our own lives from the Creator's view. The second reason that we should follow God's heart is because it's God's commandment, and this is His promise to. So, what is the line in the Lord's Prayer after addressing our Father in heaven? Hallowed be Your name. The next one goes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's commandment, that we seek His will be done. So we we are supposed to spend efforts to seek what His will is, to do exactly what He commanded. So church, do you really seek His will for for the church? To seek His will for your household, for your marriage, for your relationship, and for your career. Do you really seek His will for all these things? And this is His commandment. In Second Book of Chronicles, chapter thirty-one, King Hezekiah gave us a very good example. The Bible says, "Every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God." And in accordance with the law and the commandments to seek God, he did with all his heart, 
and he prospered. He undertook all his work to seek God, and he prospered. So this is his promise too. In Psalm chapter forty-nine, it says, "Let Israel be glad in his Maker, and let the children of Zion rejoice in their King, for the Lord takes pleasures in his people, and he adorns the humble with victory." It is our God's commandment to seek His will, to be a person after His heart. But it is also His promise that if we seek, we will find, and we shall be glad in it. It is a promise that if you, if you give yourselves to Him, you will receive the abundant life from Him, so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Are you living in His commandment and His promise, experiencing such a life on earth as it is in heaven, which is a life that God promised to those who are after His own heart? The third reason is that Jesus and many others in the Bible they set a good example for us. They set an example and testify for us. King Hezekiah was one of them, but we can also see many others in the Bible, like those prophets who sacrificed their own will and gave up their own preference for the will of God, and they they were called men of God. But we also see another one, Balaam, a different type of prophet, who did what appeared to be fine after being rebuked. For his transgression by his own donkey, and then later in the New Testament, he was still a jest, as a teacher to those who love the wages of the wickedness. That's because God looked into people's heart. So, church, what would you like yourself to be a jest, to be remembered in the book of life? A man, a woman of God, a person after God's own heart. What would you like yourself to be a jest? You know, Jesus made the best example in this for us. Way back in the Old Testament, they prophesied Jesus as this: that I will raise up myself a faithful priest. Who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind? That Jesus is the person who will do what is in God's heart and in God's mind. And later, in the New Testament, it responded to the prophecy like this: "Say, after Jesus was baptized, a voice from the heaven came and said, 'You are my Son, the beloved, with you.'" I am pleased. So, are you a person, or do you want to be a person after God's own heart, to seek His will and to make Him pleased? I repeat these questions over and over again today. Are you a person? Do you want to be a person after God's own heart, to seek His will? And to make him please.
And I hope up today's message, you spend some time for the rest of your week to put this thinking into action. So in the handout, you know, there are a few things, a few corrections that might help you in your thinking. Number one, examine yourself. Whose heart are you after? Do you have a New Year's resolution? Look at them. Check your ambitions. Even look into your prayers when you bargain with God, when, when, you are, when you're wrestling with Him in all your wishes. Are you after God's own heart? And then you need to make a decision. Do you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart? Just as God described David, he's a man after my own heart. And this is questions not only for those who haven't received Jesus Christ yet. The fact is that every day, each one of us are making numerous decisions, either following our own preference or the desire of God. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ before, you can do so by simply asking Him to be your Savior in the Lord of life. But you have done that before. Examine yourself. Have you wandered off to pursue your own preference but forgot about God's will in your family, in your career, and in your church? And the last thing is probably what is the most difficult things to do. Anything to confess and to sacrifice. Is there any step you need to put ahead? Any attempts that you need to give up? Any apologies you need to make? Do you need to change your mind and a change of action? I know that a lot of people are serving their own anger, especially at home. Serving their own greed, especially in their work. Serving their own lust, especially in the relationship. Rather than serving the heart of God. Church, whose heart are you after? My prayer is this, 2021. Be a person after God's own heart. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone who are here today. That in this new year, we will spend our lives seeking your will, seeking your design in our families, in our relationship, in our career. And I know that this is your commandment and this is your promise that if we seek, we will find. Help us to be a person after your own heart. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.